Um, well, first off, in the beginning of the film, was the noise kind of weird? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay. I'm glad it wasn't just me, so when you, like, noted that, I was like, oh, okay. Because, like, when the... Because we saw it in IMAX, and <laughs> it was just like, boom, boom, she's banging on the drums, and I was like, dude, this is a cool shot. And then you... And then, like, through, like, the corner of my ear, I'm like, is she talking? <laughs> Welcome to the Discuss and Discuss podcast. Where today we're going to be talking about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. I'm Derek. I'm Kevin. All right. Well, this movie easily, I think, <laughs> at the top of the list for best movie of the year. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's really good. So do you think right off the bat that it lived up? So does it match the first one or is it a little bit better to you? Oh, see, that's that's the hard part. I think I think here's what's going to happen when we see all three of them together. I think it's going to be good, like all the way through. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like last time we talked about Guardians of the Galaxy, where like the whole trilogy is good. I think when all three of this is like released back to back to back, I think it'll be good. Like they're all equally good. Right. Because this one felt like a part one to the finale. Yeah. There's obviously going to be a part two. Yeah. Which is their movie and it's still so good. <laughs> yeah. I think what makes this one kind of like step down from the first one so far is because there's like a cliffhanger you know and it feels incomplete but it is still complete you know it's it's not a uh it's not like the first one where it just ends and you're like okay cool i hope they make a second one um this one ends and then it's like oh great when's the next one coming out because i can't wait you know yeah and i believe i would have imagined it's at least two years out so that way, you know, they've probably been working on this probably same time, right, as the second one. And then the you always got to give like a, a year buffer for the most part, mm -hmm. especially with movies like this, because there's so much to do, so much to unpack and then all of, obviously put together <laughs> as well. So I would think 2025 is when we get the third one. And then the creators also did mention they're going on a hiatus. Yeah. So I don't know if that means like right after the second movie or right after the third movie. Well, it might not be until like 2027. <laughs> They're just like, we're done with the movie, but we're not done with the movie. <laughs> well, it's because of that writer strike and the um, all right, right, the actor strike. So it's like you know the whole the whole uh, industry kind of shut down a little bit. Like freaking Stranger Things isn't coming out until 2027. Yeah, it's going to be so weird. Season five. And it's not going to make any sense now. And then like all the kids are going to be like 30 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I think this is a good movie. I think what sucks about it is that it leaves you on a cliffhanger, which makes you feel like it's not that good. Whereas when the first one ends, you're like, boom, Miles Morales. He's finally uh, Spider-Man. And then like the, the story just feels more complete. This one it feels incomplete, but it is complete because the whole story follows Gwen. Like it starts off with Gwen and then it ends with Gwen. And even though we're made to feel like it's a Miles Morales story, it's actually Gwen's story. Because like there's this role in like filming where the opening shot normally starts with the protagonist. So this is like it starts out with Gwen. So she's actually the protagonist of this story. Mm. But because the first one is about Miles Morales, we're led to believe that this one's about Miles Morales as well. Right, right. And, you know, with Gwen, she had like probably 30 minutes of the movie in the beginning. So that's how I knew that it was going to be a very slow paced movie. But it didn't feel that way because each story 
and chapter in the in the movie ended really well. So when you know Gwen's story ended and she takes the step into the other universe or you know to to join <laughs> the whole legion Man, the squadron of extraordinary Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like i was like oh, okay like it didn't feel rushed it didn't feel drawn out either yeah it was perfect because it had the right amount of information as well and story and everything you know like just seeing gwen in her universe yeah super cool yeah like um, well, first off, in the beginning of the film, was the noise kind of weird? For oh, me? absolutely, yeah. Okay, I'm glad it wasn't just me. So when you like noted that, I was like, oh, okay, because like when the because we saw it in IMAX and <laughs> it was just like boom, boom, she's banging on the drums, and I was like, dude, this is a cool shot. And then you, and then like through like the corner of my ear, I'm like, is she talking? You know? And then she is talking. She's like narrating her like mm. uh, inner monologue, but then. I couldn't hear it over the freaking loud ass drums. I was like, this is good, <laughs> but like, why does the audio balance feel weird? Like someone didn't turn up that audio channel or something. So here's the funny thing. I did not watch it on IMAX. And her narration to me sounded like she was talking into a mic, but from like 10 feet away screaming at the mic. You know, that's, that's why I thought it was weird. Cause I was like, uh, oh, I wonder if our, you know, theater was messed up. Yeah. So I w would imagine it being the opening scene that that had to be intentional in some way. No, dude, I think I think someone just messed up in the audio department. There's there, there's no way a movie that's seven six years in the making they would have this kind of mess up in the beginning in the beginning of the. Uh, so movie. I actually looked this up. It happened to everyone. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And each year is made different. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like, again, this whole movie is so detailed. You would think, yeah, you would think that they went. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that there's something in there somewhere that we don't know about. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to take away from the, the you know, the amazingness of this movie. <laughs> it, I mean, it's that's pretty much the only part that the audio is weird. And it's not that long. It just sucks that like the, the movie starts off like that. And it's just like man, you're excited for this film, and then you can't even hear Gwen's uh, narration in the beginning. Yeah. But you can still follow what's going on, you know? Yeah. I mean, we were able to hear... It was just weirdly distorted. I don't know. So Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It's, it's just like... <laughs> why? Yeah. Why is it like this? Then it does fix itself, at least, right? It yeah, doesn't yeah, happen ever again. It's not even... Yeah, it's not that long. It's like maybe five minutes. Yeah, shorter even, than that. Yeah. yeah. And then once it cuts back to like she's done playing in the band, the everyone's voice is back to normal levels. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, this whole movie was so good from beginning to end just because we're introduced with so many different elements. So with the introduction of Gwen as well, we got her universe and seeing that, you know, each Spider-Man has their own artistic style, which represents their personality. This watercolor for mm -hmm. Gwen, amazing animation with it. Oh, I was just like... <laughs> I'm so amazed by how beautiful this whole... Yeah, someone pointed out to me that um, for Gwen's story, like the the watercolor for her always fits the mood that the scene is doing, mm -hmm. which I didn't notice on the first watch. Like I haven't seen it the second time, but like that would be something I would look out for next time if I were to watch it again. And I think that's cool. It's such a cool... Um, they implement a lot of artistic choices that is doing so many good things at the same time where so many different films are failing at. Yeah, 100%. Like, 
I noticed the watercolor changes too. Like when someone's happy, you know, there's like bright moods and stuff like that. Uh, like when Gwen's around her family and, he, and she introduces Peter as being part of that family, everything is bright, orange, yellow, you know, like a lot of very warm colors. Yeah. And when we go back into present time and everything, we see blue and, you know, purple, like darker hues and everything. And more gloomy. Me, yeah. Like yeah. I, I was literally holding my wife's hand while we were watching the movie and I had to let go because I was just like, this is so cool <laughs> like you know, I, was, I was just like 100 percent focused on just every little detail artistically for just again the first 10 minutes of the movie which set the tone you know for everything yeah i like how they didn't spend too much time on like the origin of like we didn't get a full um like origin story for gwen we just got like a quick little montage and it hit all like the emotions for it and we're like damn that's peter what I actually like is, you're right, they didn't focus on the origin of how Gwen became Spider-Woman. They focused on the tragedy that made her Spider-Woman, right? Like, yeah. this whole movie is based on the tragedies that define who Spider-Man is and why, you know, he tends to, again, like, all this stuff happens to him so that he's able to become a better Spider-Man to save people and, you know, make those kind of choices. Yeah, like, her Uncle Ben moment was Peter dying. Exactly. Yeah. And it was it was pretty sad, too, like, what Peter's last words were. It, it wasn't, like, great responsibility or whatever. It was more so, like, he tried... Because he was, like, the lizard man or something. Oh, he's the lizard, yeah. yeah. And he was a monitor lizard in this universe, which is crazy cool because he looked nasty yeah in, in, in a good way <laughs> he looked disgusting <laughs> should have used that but um <laughs> missed the opportunity it was just really sad because then um that whole um i guess building kind of collapses on him and then gwen notices that it's peter and then peter's word words is like sorry i just wanted to be as strong as you or something like that mm -hmm. and it's just like he wanted to be special yeah he wanted to be as special and be able to keep up with gwen like that sucks because then that's, I don't know, I just think that's a sad, tragic story to someone. Like when your partner has superpowers, you feel kind of like more inferior in a way, even though that's not intended. But the best part of it all is that Gwen, you could tell that Gwen and Peter didn't know about each other yet. And so when, you know, Peter was uttering his last words, uh, you know, he says Gwen and she's like, oh, like, I don't know who that is. It's like, no, no, I know that it's uh, you and I want to be special like you. That's why I did all this stuff. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot said without saying too much. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. It's just like one or two lines and then you get the whole relationship. Yeah, exactly. It's just so well done. Same thing with her dad too. Like not much is said. And the interesting thing is that again, in the beginning, we saw that she had a whole family and then slowly you know throughout everything it's just kind of revealed that you know the mom's not there anymore and whoever else was in that little group when they were praying to eat is just her and her dad now mm -hmm. so again that's enough said to know that like we don't necessarily need to know what happened with everyone else we just know that it's just gwen and her dad now Beautiful. yeah i think like visual storytelling is just well done here like we don't need exposition out the mm -hmm. ass you know <laughs> like, yeah we get it like some shit happened now it's just her and her dad. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's a Spider-Man movie. We know yeah. that there's a ton of tragedies that happen that define who she is now. So, Oof. Oof. so, so good. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the first like 10, 20 minutes. But I also like the, to um, stay on topic with the dad. It's like, I like that they close the loop at the end too with her dad. Cause then she kind of just dips out on her dad thinking that her dad was super against her because they had that fight sequence in mm -hmm. that museum. Mm -hmm. And 
this was just a sad moment because like her dad pulls a gun on her and then like as a daughter to like a dad you're like holy shit my dad just pulled a gun on me you know right. <laughs> and then there's the moment where she uh unveils herself and then he's still super angry and it's like still wants to take her in yeah and book her for everything and oh wow it's just like tragic it's so, good. It's so i don't know hurtful without saying too much yes uh this whole scene was so cool and then the introduction of another universe is vulture the leonardo uh what is it the, uh, the renaissance oh yeah the, the renaissance, renaissance. Yeah. vulture i was like dude this guy's so so cool yeah, and the animation style for him, too, was really cool. Blending those two together was just so fascinating and interesting to watch that, like, you can't keep your eyes off of it, you know? Like, if you do, you're definitely going to miss something. It's just so crazy. And then, of course, we get, you know, finally Miguel coming in, and Jess is just like, oh, gosh, <laughs> so much happening in this moment again. Because <laughs> yeah. there's different art styles coming in, uh, you know, for each different spider-man dude jess is kind of a badass too when she um she's she shot spider webs out of her fingers yeah and she's like Pew! <laughs> but she also has a a motorbike so and she's like, pregnant yeah and she's pregnant she's just like everything and like i know in the comics like i followed it a little bit mm -hmm. she's super dope in the comics so i love that they brought that kind of confidence and personality out for her and of course every single other spider-man yeah, and she was almost like a mentor to Gwen. Like the moment she appears, you know that like you want Gwen to kind of like learn from her. Learn from she her. She even says like, "Can you adopt me? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to adopt me." Yeah, the little quips in this is so Spider-Man. So like, when Gwen finally sees the Vulture for the first time, like she's quipping around. I'm just like, dude, dude, oh, this is Spider-Man. So good. This Miguel's is quipping than all around. The live action Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> This is what Spider-Man should be. Jeez. Oh, man. But even when her moment, like, when she's taking down the vulture and she did all these webs together, I like this action sequence is because, like, we don't get a lot of this in the live-action films. We only get a couple of them in the Sam Raimi versions where it kind of just, like, I don't know, the way it's shot, you know the way Gwen's thinking about it, and then she kind of, like, mm. cleverly uses her webs to kind of, like, solve the problem. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Versus, like, Tom Holland's Spider-Man where... You know the boat scene happens and like we just get action right away the boats falling apart mm -hmm. he just goes thup, 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 you know like he's holding everything together which i love that that was a scene in uh in all across the spider-verse where they're training and you see that one spider person like holding two things together because yeah. it just happens in so many different spider-man movies yeah like... <laughs> i love those little jokes where they make fun of themselves yeah and it's just like it's so funny the i don't know why the Tom Holland's Spider-Man doesn't, like, do this stuff. Yeah. So, he wasn't in this one. I don't know if you noticed. He, yeah. Um, it, they only referenced the Sony versions. <laughs> and the Prowler, Donald Glover, let's just put it out there. Spoilers. And Huge spoilers. <laughs> like, actually, if you're watching this without watching the movie. Yeah, true. Not it's already a spoiler the moment you click play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, we do get an introduction of Donald Glover, which means Tom Holland is in this, but he's not referenced in this. yet. Yeah. Like in this movie. So yeah. who knows what's happening there? I think my whole thing is like, it's still a weird dispute between Marvel and Sony. It could be, yeah. It could be a licensed thing. But it, like they also referenced it in, um, I think the first Spider-Man Homecoming or something like that, where you, we get Donald Glover and he's yes. like, hey, I don't like all these weapons. I got a uh, nephew. nephew. Yeah. Yeah. So he really looks up to me. Yeah. It's. It is fine. You know, yeah. that does still mean that their universe is crossed. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, which is totally fine. We have a whole bunch of other amazing scenes in that too, or di- different cameos. If we can get to that a little bit later, but yeah, I mean, just every introduction of each character that we want to focus on, it's also super well done. Let's talk about, of course, when we also get um, introduced to the spot. Technically, the main antagonist in the whole movie. Dude, the spot is interesting. He's so cool and such an interesting villain, and I like how they did it. Mm-hmm. So, Sam, do you do you know the comics? Like, no, I, I'm like I try to read uh, Miles Morales back then, but I never finished it. <laughs> so the spot, I don't remember when he appears. I just know that when he did uh, did appear, everyone made fun of him. Same thing, right? Like, oh, this is such a lame villain or whatever, and has has such a stupid name. Mm-hmm. And then it's revealed again. Same thing in the movie. He's super powerful, right? Like, of course, his you know power to transcend space goes across different dimensions and i love that it's a, a scientist that turns that way so of course he's always thinking how to like become better stronger whatever it is testing out new things so like that character was so cool to see like him progress so quickly because he had a scientist mindset so he's as smart or if not uh, smarter than miles morales right and spider-man in general that's like the other part of like this whole battle is not just physically but intellectually like he is truly Spider- like one of Spider-Man's biggest nemesis, you know? Yeah, the way they introduced him, he's a really good villain for Miles Morales. And from the get-go, we understand why he hates Miles Morales. Because that origin of how he came to be this spot, it's like, it's your fault I, I came to be this way, you know? And it, it also showed us his, like, uh, struggles with society because he is such a white, like, thing. He can't really interact with normal people. So like that kind of forces you to kind of be more upset with the world or, you know, just angry at Miles Morales because he was the one that did this. The funny thing, and again, I'm just led to believe everything in this intentional, but when the spot goes into the store, goes and tries to steal the ATM, well, ATM, it's already machine, sorry. (laughs) Uh, That's a really good scene too, because you notice that the shopkeeper did not treat him like a different person. I don't know if anyone else knows it. Maybe it's just me. Like the shopkeeper only got suspicious that he was trying to take it. So <laughs> yeah, okay. I wonder if it's just like, again, maybe I'm just looking too much into it, but it could be a conditioning thing too. Like when one or two people, especially your coworkers treat you like that, you start to believe that everyone's going to treat you like that. Right, right. So he went into the shopkeeper or group gas station or whatever. Yeah. And he already came in with the belief that like, this is how I'm going to be treated. So mm-hmm. And plus, he can't, like, re- get a regular job. Yes, so, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, like, his whole him. entire, like, um, social dynamic has changed. He can't do what we as a society normally does. Yeah. It's just, like you mentioned, such great storytelling because we also, as an audience, get to figure out what the spot's powers are when they are. Mm-hmm. So, like, when they're all, like, they're all finding and stuff, everyone's trying to figure out, like, how this works and whatever. Like, does he think about where his spot's going to go? And then, like, it happens or whatever. You know, like, slowly we just figure out, like, okay, yes, technically, you know. When he gets more powerful, he's able to control it. And we see that, like, in a way, it was also his story, too. Because uh, we see him not fully understanding his own powers. And then we see him gain super control of it. And then he becomes a menace that everyone in the spider Oh, uh, man, League <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is after him. The Spider Society. That's the Spider called, Society. I kept forgetting what it was too, but so good. Which one so far is like your favorite Spider-Man? 
Um, I don't know. I, I think the one that caught my attention was the T-Rex spider. Yes, of course. Yeah, you can't, you can't not see that. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I'm, I wonder how that came to be. And what does that fireman do? <laughs> I think easily, of course, you know, the Indian Spider-Man. Oh yeah. So good. That's uh, voiced by the taxi driver in Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. He's so fun. Like I can definitely see him being a Peter Parker. Dupinder. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Dupinder, sorry. Well, that's from Deadpool. I don't. I forget his character's name in Spider Verse. Yeah, it's just so good because like he his design is also like one of the more unique ones, and you know, there's so much culture and everything that they bring into the characters as well. It's just really cool to see. Cool thing is that they actually brought him in to talk about like to. Um, talk about the creative process and the character design mm. and like the cultural uh, integration. I love that. So he had a lot of input in um, that section. So very culturally done. And thanks to the actor himself, to power, I don't know his name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oops. <laughs> oops. Maybe we'll put something in there. But <laughs> yeah, he's just super cool. And of course, we get Hobie. Hobie, yeah. Uh, he's so funny because, like, he's also a really cool character in the comics. So, like, I glad punk. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm glad they like really like stretch his story in this one. It's just I like the the way uh, the Indian Spider Man was fighting too. He was using like those um yeah like what is the, it called like, kind of like, like gauntlet yeah um yeah. But I like his fighting style. It's just, it's just showing us that like different Spider Man have different fighting styles mm -hmm. and different creative ways to tackle a problem. So when they're uh, trying to tackle that bridge and solve it together, it was super awesome. So cool to see. Yeah. It just like all of them working together too. And just, it's so cool. Like so cool. <laughs> there's so much different elements going to this. Like, honestly, it does overstimulate you a lot, but in the best kind of way. It's not like where, um, to me, let's just say the Grand Budapest, right? For some reason, it's just so visually stimulating. And it's just so, such simple things, but sometimes I have to like pause the movie when I was watching that. Oh wow! This okay. one is like I can tell, like I can I can rewatch this over and over and over again, you know. So it's just super cool. And I'm not saying Grand Budapest is not a good movie. It is a really good movie if you if you can give it a chance. <laughs> it's just so interestingly shot. It, yeah, I think they're able to overstimulate you, but also give you a break. Like they're the way that like. It's kind of it's kind of like camera shots, but it's not like a camera. <laughs> but they're feeding you this information in the right amount of times or yes. moments to where you can follow the story. And it's such a hectic background or set piece, but they're not giving it to you all at the same time. It's just enough to fill in the blanks of like, all right, are you following the action? Are you following each Spider-Man's like uh, positioning? You know, mm -hmm. so that way when they cut back to that Spider-Man, it's like, oh. In a way, your subconscious is kind of like doing the work too. Mm -hmm. 100%. It's just so good. <laughs> I can't keep saying enough good things about it because it's like uh, another really good Spider-Man that I love seeing. He's not in it much, but Ben Riley. Uh, is that the Scarlet Spider? The Scarlet Spider. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So Ben Riley, super fun character uh, in the sense that he is very depressing. Yeah. <laughs> like people hate him actually because he's actually more serious. He's super depressing in the comics. And the the best thing about it, uh, about it is that he's voiced by Andy Sandberg. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, right. So like when I found that out, I was like, okay, this is, just makes it so much better. Because like, he's so <laughs> overdramatic. And Andy Sandberg's known for being overdramatic. 
Dude, I hope we get more of him. Absolutely. He's good. He's he's got, he, he got schooled by Spider Gwen, though. Yeah. Fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then also, fun fact is uh, his, I'm forgetting his name. I think it's Janora. Uh, his partner in the Lonely Island also voices a, a few different Spider Man. I had it in my head last night, but yeah, he's also in this too. So okay. He's super good. Uh, oh, fun fact. Another fun fact. Another fun fact. <laughs> the Avatar Spider Man. So the one that you know is all 3D or whatever hologram. She uh, is voiced by the actor in Everything Everything. She's the uh, she's Rue in The Hunger Games. Oh, Amanda uh, Steinberg St- or someone. Like that? Stenberg. Yeah. General Amanda. Amanda. Amanda Stenberg. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> it's cool there. seeing her. She's or her being in a movie now too. So no, she's still working. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm just saying like. I hope she gets more. <laughs> she gets more work on the big screen. Did big you see screen. that she was having chemistry with uh, Miles Morales? And then um, mm. Spider Gwen was a little jealous. I have a I have a thing about that though. Oh, okay, right? Because we see the ending, and that again, big spoiler. I don't know how you guys made it this far if you guys haven't seen the movie, but he gets sent to the wrong dimension. Yeah, and I think she caught on, and that's why she didn't stop him. Exactly right. So Miles Morales is the original abnormality and that's like you know the whole thing towards the end now is just like miles like you're the one that caused all of this that's your part you know and so her being again brilliant people you know one of the brilliant people she realizes like she he she knows everyone else knows that miles was bit by the spider spider. yeah in a different dimension yeah so she's like oh wait should i cancel this or just let it happen because Hmm. if she lets it happen that means everything that happens in his universe is supposed to happen, right? Like, again, all the captains technically dying. Hmm. Yeah. What a theory. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's like why she, she hesitated to push the button. She realized like, okay, this is the wrong, mo- you know, he's in the wrong place. So the machine takes the strands of your, you know, uh, your genetic mutation, meaning what spider you were bitten by. Not your blood or anything like that. Yeah, it's yeah. just what spider you're bitten by. So, and again, we have little notes of it all the time. You know, they're showing us that the spider was from uh, Universe 42 when I think uh, Miles Morales is like 64, Earth 64, something like that. Yeah, whatever the number is. It's, yeah. hmm, what a theory. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is that, but it'd be cool if we do get confirmation somehow. I think the way the camera pans back to her face and then Miles Morales' face, I think she just felt something for him because it's like he's the only Spider-Man that's like trying to do the right thing, even though all Spider-Man are supposed to do the right thing. But for some reason in this moment, they're okay with letting people die, mm-hmm. you know? And in a way, it was like a, a battle of inner morality at the same time. So yeah. for her, it could have been like, I'm letting Miles Morales go so that he can do the right thing. But, you know, at the same time, it, like, she can't fully commit to like a certain action per se, because her job is to like stop him and, and listen to Miguel, who comes off like a dick, yeah. <laughs> like a complete asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because like, I think if I remember correctly, the moment when he's like, you know, we're supposed to be the good guys and everyone pauses or whatever, that moment happens after she does not push the button. Yeah. So that's why to me, it's like so significant that like, and I don't think they have enough time to spend together where it's like there's a, an attraction, but I do see what you're saying. Like there could be, you know, a, a little ting, ting. <laughs> a Peter ting, <laughs> yeah, a tingle, a little Peter tingle between them. So I don't know. 
again, that's just my theory and I can see it the other way too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's such a weird story or not weird, but like, it's a good story because these are all Spider-Man and we grew up with the idea that Spider-Man's a good guy, you know? But in this case, Miguel is turning all of them into like a bad guy, you know, in, in the sort of sense that they can't stop this from, um, they have to stop Miles Morales or else, you know, the world ends or whatever. Right. And it's more so, uh, not so much that they're turning into bad guys, but turning into bystanders. I think that's what's a little bit worse, right? Yeah. Being a person in power, and being told and forced to not do anything with it. Yeah. That is just, yeah. I also love Miguel's character though, right? Like yeah, his, his, <laughs> he being the opposite to all these other spider people and to the, all these other Peters. Yeah. Like everyone who's not a Peter has like, of course their own personality, or whatever. And Miguel's just being brooding. He's, he's essentially the Batman in this oh, yeah, story, yeah. you know? Yeah. He's Bruce Wayne, you know, lost his family and stuff. And now he's just brooding and just serious because he's seen a lot of shit, you know? He's the one that has to be serious and is leading this spider society. So that means he's seen a lot of, you know, deaths and stuff like that and has to craft those. Well, he said it himself that like he tried to take the position of another Miguel so that he can be with his kid and family. But then that whole universe started to die. So then in a way it was genocide for him trying to be happy. Yep. So like it, it, you know, it's justification that like, yeah, Miles is kind of in the wrong here. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, the, I just kept thinking about that. All right, so Miles Morales is an abnormality, mm -hmm. which means whatever he does can still be for the good. So like if, if he saves somebody, it could still, you know, be good. Like the universe won't collapse, but okay. it would collapse if it was Miguel because he's not an abnormality. Yeah, I think that's like what we'll definitely see in the, the next half of this, right? When he saved uh, the captain in the indian universe like we saw the the universe being eaten we'll have to see if that was actually because of miles or because of um the spot the spot was there too right yeah, that's who they were yeah. chasing the whole time or whatever and he was the one that caused that all so i wonder if it's just like cause and effect thing as in like you know the spot being there is what's caused that but the person who's taking the downfall is miles mm -hmm. yeah because, you know i mean they're blaming him because they experienced uh universe collapsed before so they think that that's what's going to happen right but my guess is that miles morales can actually just do whatever he wants and it'll be a good consequence versus like a bad one that's my guess well if i have to see i'm so excited for the next yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be so good i mean I, I think it just makes sense that way because like abnormality that means you're not following a certain uh specific timeline mm -hmm. yeah this is very true yeah, and I also really enjoy uh, Hobie's part in all this because uh, he's played by Daniel Kaluuya, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Super good actor. So I was like, I knew his voice from somewhere. And it was also really hard to follow along <laughs> a lot of it. But again, I still really enjoy like his, you know, mindset is the, the kind of chaos that he brings. And it's still good chaos. Yeah. He knows he's like, all this is just like, you know, like part of a norm now. It's part of a standard. And that's like what doesn't fit the spider people's story. So now that, you know, Miguel has created this whole spider society, it has to come crumbling down so they can create a new norm type thing, you know. He's an anarchist, so <laughs> he just likes chaos. I don't know if he's an anarchist. I think he's just, yeah. he, he doesn't really like the um, the way Miguel's doing things. So yeah, he's, he's a social, he doesn't like social establishments. Like this whole thing, he doesn't like capitalism or anything you know he, or anything he he's technically just, hates everything anti-society he's all he's also like uh, what do you say he's like um i also hate comedy 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought it was good. Good old Daniel Kalua. Kalia? 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 Kalia. But um, I like the fight where they're all chasing after Miles Morales, too. So it's another reinforcement that, like, the Spider-Men are thinking of clever ways to win this battle. So, like, we think it's chaos. And then Miguel's like, you're stupid because now you're cornered. But he's like, yeah, but I got all the Spider-Men to follow me. Mm-hmm. And then he jumps off that train or whatever i was like dude <laughs> dude <laughs> so good and it seems like him being the abnormality and i, I figured this is going to be the case is that his powers well, m- is mostly more unique than anyone else's you know miles like, or miles okay yeah because he's he can go invisible and you don't really see that with any other spider-man unless they have like a spider suit that can do that which makes sense um so i wonder if like again he just is a little bit more special than everyone else, which is understandable. <laughs> and he has that electric shock thing. Yeah. yeah. Which I didn't understand if, like, a Hobie had. Because he broke through the shield, but I think that's just because he's... Oh, yeah, when he's... Chaotic energy. When he's teaching <laughs> he Miles Morales how to do it. Use your whole hand or yeah, something. Use your palm. palm. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, why did I ever think of that? <laughs> which, again, you know, super smart. Because, like, in the first uh, Miles Morales, he does only use his fingers. But... Uh, the most powerful shock he that he done to someone was against Kingpin, and when he was like, "Hey, oh yeah, hey, and he oh yeah, his whole hand, true, yeah." So hmm. intentional, <laughs> everything's intentional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder why he didn't think about the palm thing early on. Probably just forgot about it. Yeah, oh. thinking that it only came through his fingertips. Yeah, yeah, and I would understand too. You know, uh, I like that. You know, when he's trying to absorb the power too. Uh, he's annoyed by the others, you know, by Gwen and uh, Indian Spider-Man. Like, he's just annoyed by them talking all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it shows that they get annoyed of each other. It's like, I'm trying to focus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So funny. Man, it's... Did you like... Um, what's his face? He's from New Girl? Uh, Jake Johnson. Yeah, Jake yeah. Johnson. Yeah, I when he was in the first Spider-Man to this, I was like, dude, yeah, he's the perfect Peter Parker for that universe. Yeah, for that universe. And then in this one, he, for some reason, he just brings his daughter with him. Oh, gosh. He's just like a like an amazing father. And like, oh, yeah, it's just so good. I love the baby. Spider mm-hmm. Baby's in here now. Like, I, oh, gosh. Like, I can go on and on about this movie. <laughs> Spider-Man itself. And Lego Baby or Lego, Lego Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. Lego Spider-Man. It's rumored that Lego Spider-Man is going to be its own movie. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I, I read an article somewhere that there's a good chance that that'll be its own movie. So I'm excited to see that too, because they said that. Uh, Apparently, he's supposed to be like really strong. Yes. Yeah, because uh, yeah, because Miguel calls him. I was like, oh, you're one of the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, huh. So if Miguel respects him, yeah, <laughs> I wonder how good of a Spider-Man he is. I think that's the Lonely Island guy. He plays uh, the Lego. Lego. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Could be someone else too. I, I could be mixing them up because there's so many people in this. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a ton of them, yeah. and. I mean, they're all going to come back anyways. Yes. Because uh, that ending scene where Spider Gwen recruits them all. Yeah. Do you think Nicolas Cage will come back as Noir Spider Man? Noir Spider Man, dude. I, th- I think, I think so. he was at the end. I, think I don't. Th- I don't know if he'll come back to voice him. Is what I'm saying. I feel like he would. Yeah. I, I don't think Nicolas Cage would turn it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A chance to do this again, especially like Noir Spider Man. That's you know such an interesting Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm taking this cube. Yeah. It's fascinating. <laughs> Did I solve it? Because <laughs> it, it's colorblind? Yeah, it's a it's Rubik's like, it's Cube. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, let's 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Do you like the um, the twist at the end where it's Miles Morales yeah. that is uh, the Prowler in that universe? Yes, a hundred percent. Yes, like actually, that that would kind of be the second twist. The first twist is that he wakes up thinking that he's home. Yes. But he's in the wrong universe. Yep. And in that universe, his dad died. There's no Spider-Man. There's just, again, just so much evil entities or and chaos. Uncle Aaron's alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that's building Miles's Prowler suit, which looks super cool. Like, Morale, uh, Miles in this universe looks crazy interesting. You know, like, I just can't wait. Like, this is, like, the best kind of cliffhanger to leave off of. It, yeah. I think if this ends in, like, a trilogy, I think... This might be like the best trilogy mm-hmm. as far as superheroes go. Yeah. Yeah. Like of all time. It's going to top Guardians easily. Yeah. I think it'll be easily the best Marvel for sure. And then tough to compare to like live action, like overall superhero stuff. But I think as a story, I think it'll be the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like everything's about has just been like elevating next level, next level, next level. Yeah. I don't even know what they're, how they're going to top the second one in the third one (laughs) years from now this is gonna be this is gonna be nuts well it's the grand finale because it's miles versus miles versus miguel and universe (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a tough battle because it's like and the spot don't forget the spots yeah yeah, i know it's it's so many um antagonists to miles story you know it's like gotta be miguel whom is also a spider-man but it's also miguel and all of the people that he recruits behind him and then the spot who is his arch nemesis yeah. you know yeah. and then himself pretty much miles morales the prowler version mm-hmm. much, so much so much cool. it'll be the most epic action sequence i don't know i don't know how he's gonna beat them all yeah it's go like going back into what you just touched on too so we get a ton of different cameos you mentioned donald glover as prowler did you see like video game Spider-Man in there too? Yeah, I did. Video game Spider-Man is in there. Uh, the original Doc Ock is in there. And I guess Alfred Molina came back to voice like a little training voice that you could like hear offhandedly. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't know if they just reused his voice or whatever. So like he technically makes an appearance in that training scene. Okay. Right before, you know, you see the, yeah. the Spider-Man training. <laughs> but um, what other like villain cameos did you like? villain cameos they're all really quick too so yeah it's hard to say i was gonna say like i just noticed the clips that they use for uh from the old spider-man so like the amazing spider-mans and then spider-mans with toby mcguire and then they didn't really show tom holland spider-man but they animated that version of him so like it's kind of weird yeah i don't know like it's tough because like i love what that they're showing that every spider-man's lives are parallel to each other and these canon events is what they all have in common you know they lost someone and like it's always someone closest to them and then another canon event is them failing to save someone like you know really close to the person that they're close to or whatever you know and so yeah like that's why i really like seeing the lizard in different forms we got to see the vulture in different forms rhino Remember when you got to see a rhino and it's just like this is the plain rhino, but in the in this universe is like an actual like, yeah, an actual rhino. bad person or whatever. Yeah. Like who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's so cool seeing like different versions of those two. Yeah, it's a it's a lot to unpack. It's so it's, much. <laughs> I, I have to go back. I really want to rewatch uh, watch like the Easter egg videos for all this. You know? Yeah, break it down like it's... new rock stars shouting them out. They do really good breakdown videos. Really? Yeah. I just want to, I want to see Donald Glover in action. 
instead of him always like because like miles morales is based off of him right so like you know <laughs> you gotta have more <laughs> give, give donald his chance <laughs> like he's already like pretty much the goat of like doing being able to be super artistic like he's a rapper actor comedian yeah. yeah he's just like a good culmination of it all yeah and he looks really good you know like now that he's grown up a little bit or whatever now that he's in that suit and we get to see him in the suit he looks really good as a prowler as well yeah so maybe that's what the spider-man 4 is going to be about let's see well actually i don't know spider-man 4 with tom holland but since he has to start over would the prowler show up why not right and in my opinion he wouldn't be the main antagonist or would he be the main antagonist so i have another theory to throw about you because i i've had this in my mind for a while (laughs) since (laughs) you know the last tom holland spider-man right spider-man 3 whatever it was no way far from home oh no way home oh yeah yeah so tom holland has voiced that he's pretty much done playing spider-man after this one next two or there might be two uh, I think it's going to be a two-parter, just like how they're doing with this one. And then, you know, to keep it alive, they're going to introduce the live-action Miles Morales. So that way you have Spider-Man there, and then Marvel has, you know, can Marvel. continue the Spider-Man story through Miles Morales. Dude, that's tough. And tough the universe shoes. is coming together, baby, because that's like what I'm thinking. is just like the Sony universe, Marvel, you know, kick out Tom Holland, and introduce like that universe's uh, Miles Morales. And then like, that mile like you know the this mile morales gets to meet that mile morales and then bro you know they become uh what is it mentor like he becomes a mentor to that miles morales it's gonna be tough okay the i think do you think it's a good idea first of all to to bring a live action miles morales i don't mind it it's just a lot to live up to compared to the sony version exactly yes i i think whoever is casted as miles morales live action has tough shoes to fill because we know we have we now have an expectation of how great Miles Morales can be. Right. So a live action is going to need a good director and good writers to tell a story that's not going to cross into like the multiverse or whatever, but just like a straightforward Miles Morales story. Mm-hmm. That's going to be tough. Oh, absolutely. And of course, having like the Marvel touch in there as well is going to be difficult. Um, I saw rumors, and it's probably just fan made, but. Caleb McLaughlin, sorry, from uh, Stranger Things. Stranger Things to be Miles Morales. He's the top contender. Okay, and I think that's an amazing cast. You know? I, yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah, he's a good actor. Tons of experience already in the industry. Yeah. So good I, cast. We'll just have to see how the writing goes. I think he can handle like the the gravitas nature of the role. Yes, I think the problem is if Stranger Things doesn't finish until like twenty twenty seven, like bro, he's he's gonna be too old to play Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like that's the only problem, you know. So like, like hurry up and finish. real life issues is the problem with the live action movie. <laughs> Freaking hurry up and finish Stranger Things, man. Right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna go and say like a Stranger Things rant. But uh, I see. Not the place. For not the place. For <laughs> Next time, maybe a separate video <laughs> when we do Stranger Things season five. Yeah, in years from now. <laughs> Do uh, you think there's anything wrong with this movie? Because again, it's so good. There's so much to unpack, but I want to go on the opposite spectrum. Wrong with it? Uh, outside of it ending? Yeah. I think that would be the only wrong thing about it. I didn't realize it was a two and a half hour movie. Really? Yeah. Mm. It didn't feel like it for me. I don't no. know about you. Because you're gripped. You know, you're gripped yeah. the whole time. Every moment 
it's just like you have to pay attention to it you want to you yeah, yeah that's a big thing that's too a better thing <laughs> uh there's a ton of movies i would say like the the departed you know confuses people a lot or um other movies of that nature where like you have to pay attention to it or else you're just gonna miss the whole story <laughs> like <laughs> i think this is entertaining on multiple levels like absolutely it's it's fun but it's also serious when it needs to be and then it's visually stunning mm-hmm. yeah it's so and good the writing's so. good characters are actually interesting we get enough background in each one to understand it you know and we talk about this often this movie treats its audience like a smart you know audience you know they don't over explain anything they just give you enough so you can piece it together and then what they don't give you so you can use your imagination which is another level of interaction yeah like oh good yeah. all of it <laughs> so I, obviously the only thing that i can point out is that audio in the beginning oh yeah oh yeah i <laughs> like, guess that would be uh, it. what happened there <laughs> Tell us but that. here's the thing though once you buy the movie i doubt it's going to have that in there you know we'll see if it's in there then we know it's intentional i guess yeah i guess you could take it as that i don't know why it would be okay first like yeah. i have no theories as to what it is unless yeah. it ties into the second one i have no justification why they would just be like <laughs> yeah. you know what for this section we're just gonna make it hard to understand gwen <laughs> <laughs> just like we just have to put her in the back channel whatever it's gonna be and figure it out from there <laughs> no i figured they'll fix it before they release it on blu-ray and stuff it just blows my mind like i don't know how that could be missed you know like they have to do rewatches and rewatches and rewatches of this movie i mean it happened to tenant like when it, um because they made tenant over during covid so like all the sounding and sound mixing and all that stuff the freaking music man was just drowning out the dialogue you mm. can't even hear them mm. i haven't seen tenant so oh. i want to know just you know <laughs> but that makes sense there's a there's an external factor on that you know like that we know of like everyone's working separate things so like it's harder to collaborate especially when you're working on a movie that's already in production yeah versus this which actually let me take that back you are right because uh or you can be right because this movie was six years in the making as well so you know that kind of makes sense there could have been like a little blip and they just like yeah we have to push it yeah it could be a russian production we'll see which is weird to say when it take, took six years yeah and now it's going to be another, well, won't be six years, four years if four? we're predicting yeah. 2027. I'm hoping, hoping a little bit sooner than that, but we'll Gosh, see. Because technology so has been better, right? It just gets better and better. So hopefully that shortens the timeline for when we get the next one, because I need it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It's animation is just kind of like outscaling um, storytelling and live action. A hundred percent. It's like, I don't, I don't think you can tell... A live action story like this as well Mm-mm. and i can see it kind of getting there if you're able to mix the animation with that kind of quality like we see in all the fan-made live action animes right all those live action like fan-made tends to be so much better like have you seen the trailer for one piece it's not out yet it is it is that's what uh, our cousin posted in the chat oh i have not seen it all right it's dumb as i'll get out okay let's just put that out there it does not look right right yeah because it's just overblown like it's either you do it kind of subtly or you go with the fact that it's just like fantastical right so it's just interesting there's a reason why mr fantastic didn't work the first time around but you can still capitalize on that because as bad as fantastic four with um like the newer, Alba, oh or the new one with uh miles uh, taylor and, yes okay as bad as that was mr fantastic's stretching actually looked fine 
Okay. Use that same effect for One Piece, right? Like, so same concept. If you're going to bring, you know, anything animated to life, subtlety is going to be your friend. Oh it's going to be tough. It's going to be oh so tough. Gosh, like, I think we'll get dude. there one day, but I don't know if it'll be in our lifetime. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch this trailer because, yeah. I, well, first, I don't have high expectations anyways. Nope. But like the live act adaptations need to do something way different than just taking it from the anime and then like converting it to live action because it's not actually possible mm -hmm. because when you draw it and stuff like that you have more liberty in being able to do whatever you want when you bring it to live action now it's like now you have to think of creative ways to implement this otherwise you're gonna waste so much money on like cgi and then you're like well what if it looks bad now the audience won't even enjoy it you know mm -hmm. it's like we spent all of our budget on this CGI versus like choreographing it really well. So, uh, and then there's a, another problem with casting too, is that like, just because they look the part doesn't mean yes. they can do the part. Yeah. I'm so nervous for that. So. It's just going to be an interesting watch. I hope, and we talked about this a little bit before, like if you do this kind of stuff, right? Like if you try to bring a comic book or whatever, an anime to like live action, you have to mix it with practical effects. Yeah. That's what makes it so much better, like in Hellboy. That's why Hellboy worked as a fantastical world. Dude, Hellboy was awesome. Right. Even and Hellboy 2 was so cool just because we saw a lot of practical effects with real... And Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean. Davy Jones, yes. If you rewatch it, Davy Jones still looks really awesome. Yeah. He looks disgusting, whatever, and that's because most of the prosthetics were actually... Real, yeah. Yeah, mechanical and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and it's just... It still holds up. Yeah. It looks better than a lot of CGI today. Yep. It's I agree. Terminator 2, right? Let's go all the way back to the 1990s. Terminator 2 still holds up somehow, <laughs> right? And uh, I'm talking about, you know, the the liquid Terminator. The liquid? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all know it looks the really bad. But the reason why it works, because one story. Two, we get a mix of uh, Arnold's Terminator's practical effects and how real he looks. So we don't get taken away by all the effects. Gosh. Yeah. It's, do you think there will ever be a good live action anime adaptation? Does this? <laughs> yeah. The optimism in me says yes. It can happen. It can happen. <laughs> okay. So now that you've seen the trailer for One Piece, what are your levels of optimism for Avatar? <laughs> <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender. so low. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be wrong. In these cases, I just want to be wrong. You know? One Piece, maybe it exceeds expectations and it just has to be decent. It doesn't have to be good because if you set the foundation for decent, you can achieve good. Then you can achieve great, right? So that's just my whole thing for both. Oh, man. My thing about anime adaptations is that you can't fully capture like the anime version of it. You have to change it for live action. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Like, you can still use agree. the characters, but like you're going to have to mess around with like the tone like the genre of it like i don't know mm -hmm. it's it's a whole thing <laughs> yeah i think in order to make it come off well Whew. we'll have to see hopefully it's in our lifetime but uh, yeah anything else for the spider-man for you nope all right not for now <laughs> so much said and there's still so much left to be yeah said. there's probably a ton of stuff that we're, we like missed out on. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode this was a fun one um yeah, uh, like, subscribe, share, do all the things as usual. Mm -hmm. And that's it for us. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.